it's the best feeling in the world, so why not take the risk? It allowed you to sort of like pivot your board and get more vertical. The ultimate point is when like everything just connects and there's just like, you're in constant flow with the wave. That allowed me to sort of like funnel through the barrels without getting caught in the lip. All right, welcome to the Basis Podcast. We have Dylan Lightfoot, and, and I'm super excited because I just remember seeing this crazy footage, like point of view, J-Bay, Dylan just getting like the craziest tubes and like doing these sick turns, and it felt like I was surfing J-Bay. It felt like a video game, like a 3D simulation, except it's Dylan, and not, it's not me, obviously, but it's just this amazing footage, and I, I would just thought to myself, man, number one, I want to go surf J-Bay someday, um, hopefully not get eaten by any sharks. But number two, it was just like, it was so interesting. I feel like there's so much to learn from looking at that perspective. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to dig in uh, with all of that with Dylan. Um, but also, he's a professional surfer. He was actually uh, a wild card event at J-Bay. Uh, obviously, absolutely rips. Um, and uh, yeah, so very excited to have you. Thanks for coming on, Dylan. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so first of all, I guess, you know, I just want to get to the good stuff right away, and then I'm going to go all through kind of your background, your journey through surfing and all that, but let's just dive into these waves that you caught. I mean, they're just so fascinating to see that perspective, um, and I think, you know, for anybody that's listening on, you're definitely going to want to check out the, the full video so that you can just see this perspective because it's wild, um, and then after that, we can we can get into the other stuff. So what I'm going to do is let's just play it full through just so you remember what this wave looks like, and then uh, we can go yeah. slow-mo through this thing here. Oh, man, I get so excited to search J-Bay when I see the footage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God, it looks so good. Just looks so freaking good. I mean, perfect canvas. Yeah, this day was like, it was quite uncrowded, J-Bay. It was sort of a swell that we didn't really expect to be that good. Mm -hmm. And then my friend and I were like, let's, let's, you know, let's go up the coast. It's just, uh, you know, I've got my, my family home in J-Bay. Let's just, you know, try our luck. And yeah. um, man, we got so lucky. Um, it was just uncrowded, perfect, like, you know, three to four foot waves and I remember this wave quite clearly it was like everything just lined up for me it was one of those waves that just had like the perfect pace to it yeah, right. um, you know a lot of waves are like very quick at J-Bay and you have to like race around big sections and yeah. you know it, it, it just was from start to finish it had the most perfect pace and I was able to just like go from one bottom turn to the next to the next and then into each maneuver and it was just everything linked up so nicely and I was just like, wow, this is going to be cool with the footage. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I think with the GoPro footage, everything's kind of fickle, you know, you, you're kind of relying on like so many elements, you know, if like a water droplet hits the lens and then there's a bit of a blur or it's cloudy and, you know, so yeah, when this shot linked up and I saw the footage, I was like, wow, you know, I was very, very happy. Yeah. It just looks absolutely gorgeous. And you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to slow it down even a little bit. So, what? Or you know what? I'm just going to scroll through slowly here. Why don't you just walk me through kind of just like your bottom turn? So, you're setting up for your bottom turn all the way into your top turn. So, like, like what's going yeah. through your head? You just finished that turn. You're, you know, what's going on in your head right now as you're assessing things? I think with J-Bay, you're almost always looking down the line because it's so fast. Like you almost have to like look into the future when you're surfing J-Bay in a sense because you know that like if you go for a huge rail gouge, you know you're not going to make the next section. So it's almost like at this particular point, I'm sort of assessing like what to do down the line. Like, do I sort of go for a maneuver where it's like either a speed carve or, you know, maybe like a float the section or it's slow enough to actually like, you know, bring, bring it all the way around, you know, um, those sections are kind of rare, you know, it, it's kind of hard to find a section where you can just absolutely lay it back 
into the white water. Um, but like I said, this wave sort of allowed it. Um, so at this particular point, obviously, I'm looking down the line, I'm assessing the speed of the wave, and I'm sort of like trying to predetermine what maneuver I can do um, to allow me to get to the next section. Yeah. Okay. And then you're going for your bottom turn. Yeah. Going for my bottom turn here. Yeah. And I just, I think, I think the thing to note here um, for people that are listening on is just like how low you get, right? Your forearm yeah. is basically gliding along the surface of the water, right? And yeah, you're just getting so low and you're, you're still looking down the line and you know, you, you're, it looks like you're probably going to be going into just, you know, kind of that slingshot right back up to the top of the wave. I, I don't know if there's anything more you would add there. Yeah, I think, you know, um, sort of how I've been taught to do my bottom turns is like sort of using that arm as like a pivot point. So, you know, you put it in the face and then that's the point at which, you know, you turn and swivel off that arm and then you're looking out to the section as to where you want to go. Um, you know, it's so instinctive that it's like, you know, when I look at this footage, I'm like burying my arm and then going straight up, but it's, it's, it's sort of become more aware to me that like the point at which I put my hand in is where the point is, which like, I kind of like, you know, decide to go up and decide yeah. to go up for that like first maneuver, you know? So, Yeah. And, and how are you thinking about your weight distribution during your bottom turn? I mean, my weight distribution. Or is it just like intuitive at this point? You don't even think about it probably. To be honest, it, it's so hard to recall these things. Eh? Like, yeah, it, it, right. It's so ingrained in like your, your intuition at this point. One thing I was quite surprised when I looked at this footage, I was like, my foot is so far back on the board. Yeah. Um, and generally my pad is like on the tail as far as it goes towards the um the leash plug yep um so it, that was kind of interesting is like the amount of sort of torque that i um generate off my back foot after i pivot my right arm into the face right and does your foot normally land there or are, are you saying that um it does it definitely does but I think with J-Bay, because there's like kind of a, a bit of push, I tend to put my foot all the way back. Yeah, so yeah. when it comes to like giving a proper gouge, it's like, I don't know, in the best position to sort of like hold that inside rail. Um, yep. But yeah, I notice when like I'm, I'm going up for a barrel, my foot almost shifts forward just to like, you know, right. try and keep that speed and momentum on your front foot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at this angle, it's 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 so trippy and interesting. Um, it is. Yeah, I, I love these these shots. It's so okay. So you're going up. Yeah. So you'll see if you play it a little bit further. Okay, this was almost like a snap at this particular point. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. You can see, like, I hit it, and then, like, as I come out of it, I'm, like, really looking down the line as to what's going to happen next. Right. And you're just throwing this massive fan of spray. And I just, the the timing, you know, you're right up on that lip. It's like the coping on a skateboard rail, you know? And I, yeah, that's obviously I, what's... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's what, um, when I saw the footage, that, like, was uh, sort of one of the highlights because generally when I do snaps with this um, mount on my back, it kind of like the water hits the lens and it, it becomes a bit fuzzy, but it was just so clear and like, it, it's just, I love that feeling of when you, you're coming off the bottom and you hit the lip and it's almost like you've just hit the sweet spot and you're just sliding and it just feels so good. And then all of a sudden it catches and you just like carry on going. And this was like one of those waves that we were, or one of those sort of waves and forms that we were trying to get that we sort of um, were able to, to shoot that. And I was, yeah, I was very stoked with it. Yeah. And maybe let's break down kind of your decision-making process as well. Right. So uh, you've alluded to this already, but you know, why did you cho choose to do a snap here as opposed to a different maneuver on this section? 
So I think on days like this, because you can kind of see that there's a lot less wind out of J-Bay at the, on this particular day. It was like very glassy. Um, generally, like days when the wind is gale force southwesterly, which is our predominant wind when we're having like a cold front that moves up the coast, which brings us well. You know, it's very hard to do a, a snap in conditions like that. Um, so I think from this wave's perspective, like I knew we could potentially do snaps out there and it would feel okay. Um, but in this case, I think because the section just allowed and the pace allowed it, I was able to do like a snap, you know, with a few cars, which is really cool. Right. Yeah. So it's that steeper section and yeah, it just looked like, felt like the right section to, to do that way, to do the maneuver. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sam, what are you thinking, you know, body mechanics wise when you go into your snaps? Is there anything um, you think about, um, I guess, is there anything you're focusing on, like any cues where you're like, okay, I, I got to remember to do this when I do my snap? Generally, um, I mean, when I'm coming off on bottom, I'm looking up, I would say, you know, a lot of things, well, a lot of time when you're surfing out of J-Bay, you're almost like you're coming up for your snaps. But because the wave is so fast down the line, I've noticed a lot of people, they almost look down the line as they're coming out of their snap, like they've done it. And then instead of like looking down for like that split second and just regaining your um, balance over the center of your board, they're almost looking down the line. And then they yeah. would look down the line and the inside rail would catch and then they would almost like fall over. Um, yeah. I've seen this happen numerous times, especially guys at J-Bay that like don't know how to surf the wave, don't know how to keep up with the pace. They, they tend to always look down the line, but there's almost like a split second when you're at the top, you've done your maneuver and you're looking down for a split second. And as you like gain that center of gravity again, that's when you look down the line again and then carry on going. So at this particular point, I think, that's sort of something from a mechanical point of view, doing a snap out of J-Bear that I would take into consideration. Got it, got it. So you're almost committing to the, the that point, The you're you're able to commit to the turn a little bit more and not fully race it in a way. Yes, exactly. Okay, got it. All right, so bam, you do this beautiful snap and then you're just pretty much going for your next one. And I think what's interesting here is you know, I can really see you just really sizing up the wave and like managing your speed. So you do these, you know, smaller pumps just to figure out, yeah. as you're just trying to find that right position to do your next turn, right? Is that kind of what you're thinking yeah. about as you're going through there? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, I try and minimize the amount of like double bottom turns I do out of J-Bay or like, um, waiting for a section you know it, it's j-bay is all about like speed maintenance um and coming through different sections you've got to have or know when to have the right speed to set you up for the next maneuver so at that particular point you know i try and make sure that obviously the section that was coming was maybe a little bit too critical and maybe if I like hit it in that particular zone, I wouldn't have made it further down the way. But if I know I just waited like two seconds just to maintain that speed, I probably would have come around. Well, in this case, I came around and then was in the perfect position to hit the next maneuver. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep going here. Boom. Another snap. But it was almost like that maneuver was cool because you can see that like the section slowed up yep. and my bottom turn was delayed by a few seconds longer, mm -hmm. which allowed me to sort of like come into the section and wrap it back because it slowed up to the point where it allowed me for that maneuver to, to, to occur. Yeah. And you just got to really, yep. Yeah. And then it obviously, yeah, it allowed me to do that like figure eight where it was like the carve into snap, you know? Yeah. So, I'm, man, just beautiful surfing in a beautiful wave. So I'm curious, you know, like 
how has watching your own footage from this perspective, has it adjusted the way that you surf at all? You know, because a lot of times when you see footage of yourself, you're like, okay, I want to tweak this. I want to tweak that. And I think this happens at every level, right? But yeah. has that happened to you? Have you viewed your footage and you're like, oh, I want to improve on this or I want to improve on that? Or Hey everyone, it's Van. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, it'll only take you literally a few seconds, and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So, thanks. Or you're like, no, I just surfed that thing perfectly. It was just the perfect wave. Not necessarily. Um, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I'm very critical when it comes to my surfing. So I will always like um, look for sort of particular things that I'm not like happy with in my surfing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so in this case, I... I I like to give credit to myself that this way was served really nicely, but yes, I think definitely. in other cases where the footage was not necessarily as perfect as this, yep. I probably would give myself some critique for sure, you know, whether it's right. the land footage or this footage. But I think, yeah, when I first saw this footage, um, I I was just blown away by sort of like, the way the board was positioned in the water and you can sort of almost see how like the rail cutting through that face on, you know, your inside toe and your heel side. Um, That was sort of very interesting to me from an analytical point of view. Um, Right. Especially like, you know, the displacement of water using say a round pin versus like a squash tail. Like I, I, I've never really been aware of it and understood the dynamics of, of water displacement when it comes to a surfboard. So when I looked at this footage, I think that sort of was very interesting to me. Interesting. And so what is the right craft to ride at a wave like J-Bay? Because you say that it's super fast, um, so you obviously need a lot of speed. I mean, this is yeah. probably the perspective because it's a GoPro, but the board looks pretty narrow. Um, you know, what? how do you pick how do you pick your equipment? Like how wide is that board and you know, how much volume is on it relative, uh, you know, in thickness and, and all that relative to kind of what you might ride at, I don't know, a beach break or something like that. Yeah, I think JB has been a bit of a weird one for me. I must say it's like, even though I've grown up there, I've always struggled with boards in a sense because it's not like a heavy wave. It's not like a sunset or a Haliva. You know, you don't necessarily need like a gun at J-Bay, yeah. but it's not soft. It's almost like in between. So, you know, when I was starting to surf supers more regularly when I was younger, like I would always take out these boards that were round pins and there was just too much hold and like it just felt a bit sluggish. So over the years, I've sort of like developed a board where it's a, a, a rounded squash tail and it sort of just gives you that combination of like release off the top hold during a um like a, a rail carve and speed down the line just to like give you the full combination of riding a wave out of jb to the best of its ability um or that it has to offer so i think yeah i don't think necessarily that you know, you need a gun or a small wave board. Like, I think it's almost like an in-between. It's Got almost it. like if you want to get a small wave board yeah, hey. that has a lot of hold or yeah, all-round yeah. board that has a lot of hold, that's like the perfect board for J-Bay. And that's yeah. whenever I got like a quiver of boards and I felt like it was just too much hold at a beach break or a wave that, you know, it was small and it just, just, just didn't feel like it wanted to go. I kind of thought like, okay, let me just try this board out of J-Bay. And then those would generally be the boards that just felt great out there. Yeah. So this looks like kind of your, just your typical high performance shortboard. Um, and that, you know, cause at a wave at J-Bay, like J-Bay, it seems like, you know, 
the because you got good size, you got good power. You don't need the board to generate the speed for you too much, like a small wave board. And but it's not like, like you said, it's not like sunset. So just kind of that in between, yeah. perfect rippable kind of wave. And okay, got it. And so I'm curious, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, because obviously you're an extremely high level surfer, you know, um, oh, what, you. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, um, you know, you said that you were critical, but less on the critical side, but like, what things do you focus on at your level? Um, I really enjoy flow. I think having an element of flow in your surfing, for me, I just think that that is the the ultimate point is when like, you know, everything just connects and it's just like you're in constant flow with the wave, you're in constant rhythm with the wave and you're not doing double pumps, you're not trying to milk the wave for more than what it's worth. I feel like when I was competing, I was doing that a lot. I was no. sort of like over surfing a wave. And I just don't feel like for me, that was how I wanted to surf, but I was just surfing to get the score. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like being critical of my surfing, and maybe it's just because I've grown up at such a perfect wave. Like if you surf J Bay and you don't know how to sort of ride the wave to how it or for what it offers, it, it, it highlights that sort of, um, that, you know, inability to surf the wave. So for me, when I, I surf now, I just, when things flow together, like if I'm able to do like a snap, you know, and come out of it and into like a lip line floater and from that lip line floater generate speed. And then there's sort of an air reverse section and, and I'm able to link those three manu maneuvers in with just like no double pumps. Like for me, I, I love that. I love that feeling of like pure execution without having to look messy in a sense. Right. I mean, I, did you just watch, you know, Tom Kern at J-Bay surfing his first wave on like repeat as a, as a kid, <laughs> especially being yeah, you know, from J-Bay? Like that, is, that is a perfect example of just like, you know, perfect surfing at J Bay. And yeah. to be honest, it was his first wave. Like that blows my mind. That's so insane. Right. Oh my God. His bottom turns in that section. I mean, they're just the most beautiful thing. It's so, and what he does with his head too, just like look straight to the beach and then go for that bottom turn and just like rip right up. It's just, it's just insane. Gorgeous. I think these guys that just have a knack out of J Bay, like Mick Fanning, um, he's probably my favorite surfer out of J Bay. Um, Tom Curran, like Joel Parkinson, they just, there's just such a flow element to their surfing. And I think, um, I think that that just appeals to me more than anything, you know? Yeah, man, that must be so good to just surf a wave like this with perfect flow and just like feel like everything fits together. And I guess, you know, it's interesting when you say that it must feel like this I don't know, synchronicity with the ocean when you have that perfect flow. It's like your maneuvers perfectly match the wave and everything just lines up perfectly. Um, that must be kind of the most beautiful feeling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, obviously I was competing for a very long time. Um, and as soon as I sort of stopped competing, it almost felt like I was surfing for myself. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think... I think I sort of became a lot more connected with sort of my feelings for surfing and mm -hmm. what I wanted to get out of surfing. Mm. And yeah, I think I sort of found like a bit of a connection there to what would bring me joy to my surfing instead of like winning heat, you know? And I think that sort of that feeling of connection with the wave and um, that flow element uh, that brings me a lot of joy these days. Got it. Actually, you know what? This is something I'd be interested in, in diving in with you. So, you know, you had to probably go from surfing perfect J-Bay to then surfing on the QS and just like one foot beach breaks. What was, <laughs> what was that like? That must've been tough, right? Or 
It was it was very tough for sure. Like I think I definitely had a disadvantage in that sense because sure, I JB is a perfect wave. Um, you get a lot of repetitions on your waves. You get to practice different maneuvers, and I think you form a very like interesting style in the sense that like your surfing becomes quite refined, but the unpredictability of beach breaks becomes an issue when you're trying to compete on the QS. Um, and from when I started surfing at places like, you know, Pantene in Spain, um, Lacanau in France, Australia, Manly Beach, um, it just, that became very difficult for me. And yeah, it, it definitely, yeah, it definitely was a bit of a, a disadvantage. And I just, I started to practice more and more. But when you've grown up on surfing, you know, point breaks, it's it's sort of like ingrained in you to like, you know, wait for the best wave, you know. Um, you don't necessarily have to hunt because you know it's going to come in the exact same point um, or a few meters out. So, yeah, I think... That was certainly my biggest disadvantage on the QS. <laughs> but it's so weird because, you know, you go you go from J-Bay, then you have to surf like one foot crap at a beach break. But then if you make it to the CT, then it's back to the other approach, which is wait for the best wave because you're going to be at a perfect wave or not a perfect wave, but, you know, like a really good wave. And then you kind of have this whole mind shift then as well. It must be such, so difficult for you know, surfers to adapt to all that. Um, yeah, but, it's pretty tough. Yeah. So I guess, you know, going, and I guess the hardest part must be like, oh, it's pumping and perfect at JB. I'm going to go practice at this one foot crap beach break. Like did, did that ever happen where you're like, give up perfect waves to just go surf dribble? Oh, or? So many times I remember like being in the, um, or being in like Europe and doing that European leg. So you start in Lacanau, you go Pantene. I know I mentioned this. And then you go to Eresera and Portugal. Then you go to Morocco, but it's summer there. So, you know, sure, the beaches are nice, it's warm, but the waves are two foot. And, you know, I'm sitting on social media, just seeing perfect waves come through a J-Bay and you're like, is this winning? Is this is this is this what I'm meant <laughs> to be doing for the rest of my life? You know, no. Or until uh, I retire, like I don't know. It was um, it was definitely hard rough. to watch that. Um, yeah. But I mean, I surfed JB as good as it gets. So you know, when I was traveling, I'd just tell myself like, you know, you you surfed it good. Like, you know, I'd message a local guy and be like, hey, how was that swell? And he'd be like. Oh, it wasn't that great, you know, just to get an accurate depiction of how it was, you know, because everyone will be like, it's pumping. But I know there's there's a few local guys that will tell me like, nah, it actually wasn't that great. It was too soft. <laughs> yeah, got it. Well, you know what's interesting then, you know, what, so going from surfing perfect waves and then having to adapt your style to like small crappy beach breaks, what did you, what did you learn from that? You know, how did you get good? I mean, cause that's what you had to do in order to, you know, compete mm. at that level. How did you get, how did you figure out how to surf small crappy beach breaks? What was your approach and, and what kind of things do you think you learned? So I think one of the most important things that I needed to work on was my quiver like my boards were very, very refined. They were very thin. They had like perfect for point breaks or when there's like a steep face to it, you know, my boards were able to fit in those pockets perfectly and I was able to release. But as soon as it went like absolutely gutless um, and I had to manufacture and look messy in my surfing, <laughs> like yeah. that I felt I struggled with with my boards because then I would just feel like, I threw a lead weight off the back of my board. Um, but I must say, I'm, I was in Australia and I actually got a few boards from Ol Emery. So he's based in Byron Bay. I don't know if you know Adam Melling. Adam Melling used to ride his boards. Um, and from there, I kind of like felt like, oh, wow, like, you know, these boards are, are, are great. Cause, um, so just, 
just riding and getting the feel for an Australian for Australian boards and um, by an yeah. Australian shaper. That sort of changed my approach. Um, but it, it became very difficult for me to get boards from Australia. Um, so actually, I've got a local shaper now that's obviously been I've been with for a good few years now, and he's he's helped me sort of like build on that that small wave board um, um, quiver. And yeah, other aspects I would say is like obviously putting the time in. Like I would go to Seals Beach Break, which is a beach break just like 30 minutes from Jeffrey's Bay. And I'll just put as much time in as I can and like beach break waves. Um, and when I would stay in Cape Town, I would actually serve a wave called Musenberg. It's very soft. Um, but yeah, I think just putting that time in. You know, another element that comes into, you know, growing up in Jeffrey's Bay is there's hardly any left. <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, it's, you know, me surfing at J-Bay, like my point was, you know, really good, I felt. But going left was just, um, yeah, that was also definitely a challenge. So we also have like a wave sort of just on the other side of Super Tubes, uh, maybe like one or two beaches across um, but it was like a two foot beach break. So whenever it was working, we would like, well, not two foot beach break. It was like a two foot kind of like, how can I say, sort of like a rock shelf that went left, but it wasn't spectacular at all. But whenever it was breaking, we would just like be like, oh, we, we should go surf it, you know, just to get that practice in. Um, so yeah, on the basis of that, it kind of like sort of helped me improve my small wave surfing and beach breaks and, um, and, Obviously, left. All right. So, going from surfing perfect rights all the time to surfing small, crappy left, what was, uh, were there any unlocks for you that helped you get better going backside? Do you remember any breakthroughs or things like, ah, I made this little adjustment and it really opened things up, or was it just putting the time in? I think one of the biggest adjustments that helped my backhand surfing or my backhand snaps, because I think when you're competing on the QS, you want to look explosive. You want to look like when you hit that lip, you're throwing spray. And I was actually in Huntington Beach, and my friend Christian Sines, he said to me, he was like, oh, just, just drop that right hand when you're doing your bottom turn, and it'll allow you to sort of like draw out your bottom turn a little bit more and come sort of off the bottom and more vertical to get like underneath that lip. Um, and I think, I don't know if it's like you almost de delay your bottom turns when you drop that right hand, but it allowed you to sort of like pivot your board and get more vertical and allow you to sort of hit the lip and project more spray off the, off the, off the face or the section you want to hit. And interesting. When... Can I ask a question about that? Yeah, sure. So you're saying, so you're a regular footer, so you're using your backhand and touching it down, so your right arm, right? And so this yes, is your, exactly. out, your outside arm, and you're doing this during your bottom turn, so you're kind of getting your, your backhand closer to the rail as you're doing your bottom turn. Yes. So it's kind of like if you see guys sort of bottom turning on a massive wave um, and wanting to sort of wind it up and hit it, you'll sort of see them like grab their rail and like almost act like as a leverage just to like pivot off that bottom and then allow them to sort of come up and then hit their lip. It's sort of the same sort of action just on like a three foot wave. Um, you're sort of dropping it down and instead of, I was bottom turning and my, my hand was like here yeah. where it should be like down here, you know? And when I saw the footage and the difference between the two bottom turns, I was like, wow, this is night and day kind of thing, you know? And yeah, so from then I sort of like tried to focus on dropping that right hand. But it's weird because some surfers don't necessarily do it. And their bottom to top turns look perfectly fine. Um, but for me personally, that like helped my backhand snaps quite a bit. Interesting. And yeah. so that just allowed you to get more vertical. And obviously with your backhand snaps, I think you can generally get a little bit more vertical on that. But, um, wow, that's really cool. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I think in, 
at Huntington Beach in particular, it's almost like, I don't know if it's the South Wales, but they sort of like come down the beach and the left kind of bend away from you, but then the right bend at you. So, you know, you're kind of like coming off your bottom turn and you're like looking up and it almost feels like the wave, because it's bending at you, there's not much power. And when I was sort of coming up with these bottom turns and not coming deep off that bottom turn, it, it just didn't allow me to sort of like hit it nicely. Um, but as soon as I did that, it was like, yeah, it, it just made a difference that I was like, wow, this is quite, quite valuable. Um, now that was probably the, one of the biggest takeaways I took from surfing or improving my backhand surfing. Got it. Cool. And you obviously had a good measure of success. You were in, uh, you know, you got a wild card spot at J Bay. What was, what was that like surfing and, and making it to that level? Um, were you, I mean, you probably were surfing against your heroes as a child, probably, right? What was that like? Yeah, that was, it was definitely one of the best experiences of my life. I, uh, I look back at that memory fondly and geez, I wish they would bring back the event now and the trials because, yeah, the trials is, was what I want to compete in. Um, yeah. But for me, yeah, that was just amazing. I, I was very nervous. I was young at the time. I think I was like 18 years old. And yeah, my very first teeter was like Kelly Slater and Mitch Cruz, who is a good friend of mine. Um, but yeah, just being in a heat with Kelly, I was like, this is absolutely surreal, you know? Um, and yeah, I think I wish the waves were better. The waves were a little bit weird that day. It was like kind of like an onshore crumble. Um, and yeah, it, it wasn't the cleanest swell, but yeah, the, the memory of just like being like surfing in front of your friends and your family and they all supporting you and rooting for you. Like, uh, I'll remember that to, to the day I die, that's for sure. Like as one of the fondest memories. Wow. And you'd have like your whole hometown crowd cheering you on. You're the local, you know, you're the local guy. And, yeah. Oh man, that must've been Yeah, epic. It, it was amazing. Hey. Yeah. So did, um, did Kelly play any mind games on you or? <laughs> no, he, um, I mean, I was doing pretty good in the beginning. Like I, I had two ways, which I think were okay. And then, um, I think I can't remember. I, I had my second best ride and then I was paddling back out and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of in this. Like I, I could be Kelly. I could be Kelly. And then obviously Kelly does what he does. And he came flying past me in a day where there was no barrels, but he got barreled. And he came out in front of me. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Like, just, just calm down, Dole. You're not going to beat him in this heat. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was so cool. Like, oh, man. regardless if I came second or third in that heat, I was just so stoked. Right. But for a second, you're like, I might be Kelly Slater. That was going on in your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. I think you need to be in like a wave pool setting and uh, the time's running out and there's absolutely no waves coming. Someone just presses the button. <laughs> That's yeah. why you probably can be Kelly Slater. Right, right. So mentally though, was there any like, how, how did you deal with just stepping up to this whole nother level and competing at this world stage against your heroes? And did you, I'm sure you, you mentioned you were nervous, but was there anything that helped you get over that nervousness or... Um, geez, I was so young at the time. Like I struggled to deal with my anxiety when competing. Um, only like towards the end of my surfing career, I sort of, I found that mojo to how to relax and just let go and like sort of let the ocean dictate, um, how you should perform in a, in, in a heat. Um, yeah. Cause I was just, you know, I was spinning. I was like, you know, my dad said I was shaking. Even Kelly said in his interview that I looked nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I always rise to the occasion though when I come when I have like a lot of anxiety, which I, I'm sort of grateful that I have that attribute. But yeah, only towards the end of my surfing career in 2019, like that was the best year that I had, um, which was just before COVID. I um I sort of 
started speaking to a psychologist in a sense. Um, I don't know if she was really a psychologist, but she helped me sort of let go of, you know, I'm, I'm very focused in the sense that like, I have to do everything right. I have to train, I have to eat correct. I have to surf a certain amount of hours a day. I have to like, and I treated it like a job. Um, and I think I lost the fun element. And as soon as I started just like incorporating that into my surfing again, it was like things are just coming my way. And, you know, when it gets to like five minutes left in the heat and, you know, you need that score to make it through, the wave would just come. And I'd be like, whoa, like things are just um, falling together for me. And I had a lot of heats where I just sort of let everything go and just kind of use my intuition instead of like, okay, this is where I'm going to sit. This is, you know, I need to get the first wave of the heat and I need to do this maneuver or I need to do that. I was just like, I'm going to go out there, surf my heat and feel out the conditions. I kind of have like a vague idea of what to do, but it's not cast in stone. And that helped my surfing um, from a competitive point of view for sure. Interesting. And I think that's, most people aren't going to be surfing, you know, at, at your level, but I think it's still highly relevant to anybody. You know, you could be a beginner surfer and you're out there for the first time in some, you know, proper waves and you feel intimidated in a lineup. Um, and I think what you said is just kind of spot on and it's probably going to help. I've definitely had those moments on, you know, surfing myself where I'm out there and I'm like, man, I'm not getting the waves I want. This crowd is this and that. And then I just like, all right, you know what? I should be grateful to be out here. And then things just start going my way. And I can totally see that. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think when you're surfing or free surfing, you kind of paddle out and you're there to sort of vent and just become relaxed. And I think a lot of people got to vent that in the surf. And sometimes they sort of, you know, they're not in that flow state. And I think after you've caught a few waves, you eventually start to like break into that flow state. You know, it's almost like if you paddle out and you get one wave off the bat, it's almost like, okay, my surf's done. Like, I don't you know, I, I'm content with whatever else happens because I got that bomb. And that was kind of like sort of what I was putting into my competitive surfing. It was almost like I've caught that bomb before I've even paddled out into the heat, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then usually when you catch that bomb right off the bat, then you're just in the rhythm and then they just keep coming, right? And yeah. So, yeah. Because then there's no pressure. You're just like, well, I'm out here to have fun, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not going to be necessarily a bad surf, but I've just come out here to, to have fun, you know? Um, yep. So that's sort of the approach I try to, to, to sort of have with my competitive surfing was like, you know, just go out there, have fun, regardless of the result is what it is. You know, it's not going to help if you put the pressure on because putting that pressure on is just going to make you overthink it and just like, you know, it's just a spiral out of control. Yeah. Well, speaking of bombs, um, was thinking we could walk through this barrel that you got because that looked pretty sick and definitely a bomb. Yeah, yeah. So this wave is in the um, Mentawis. And, um, yeah, it just, it's kind of, it's a bit of an unpredictable wave, but man, I, I just became so in tune with this wave and I knew exactly which waves were going to hit the reef right and barrel. And, um, oh man, I get so excited when I see that footage. <laughs> and yeah, I remember it. It was just like, you're so deep and you know it's so shallow, but when you just make it past that like foam ball section and make it through, it, it, that feeling is just, it's insane. I, I, I don't think there's a better feeling in the world than getting barreled. But um, yeah, I remember like the turbulence underneath my board and I was like, oh, is it going to hold? Is it going to hold? And then once you just get over that little foam ball, it's like, almost feels like a video game you know you've made it through like a rocky patch and now you're like on the other side <laughs> yeah for sure and so 
you know, you mentioned you, you had finally figured out the wave. Was there anything particular when you're, you know, looking at these waves coming in at you? And obviously every wave is a little different, but, you know, just to give um, people an understanding of like the, the things that you look for in a wave. Yeah, I think this wave in particular, when the wave, when a swell will come in, I know that the wide ones would kind of hit the reef and either go super quick or the shallow ones would kind of like not have this, you know, deep barrel section. It was almost like in between those ones were the ones that kind of like hit the reef, had a deep enough barrel section and allowed you to make it. Um, but I guess you're just looking at like, you know, where the wave is coming, you know, where the sort of steeper dark water is versus like, you know, the flatter sections. And yeah, I think knowing the reef and knowing the way the swell is wrapping in is just so important for determining if it's going to be a good wave. Um, yeah, that, that, those two dynamics at this particular break definitely allowed me to um, choose the best ways out there and, you know, not hit the reef when I didn't make one. Yeah. And so then you see the wave coming in, you paddle, um, and you get in, like what's going on in your mind as you're like, you know, let's start from the beginning right here. What's kind of here. You know, so like, what are you studying? Are you kind of making adjustments as you're going through this i mean i also noticed like yeah especially in contrast to the uh the other wave like your, yeah. your foot is almost like in front of the trackpad here and to to generate speed obviously but yeah i was going to highlight that fact like you know my foot when i'm sort of racing down the line and in the barrel it's so much further forward it's almost like you know you're putting your momentum on your front foot to drive you forward to get through that section um but yeah it's when i want to get barreled you know there's almost like a happy medium as to like getting to the point where you know you want to be as deep as possible but you don't want to be at the point where you're not going to make it out so it's like you're kind of looking for that point of equi equilibrium where you're trying to get like maximize your utility out of the wave pretty much and um i think yeah in that case it's almost like you're paddling into the wave you're kind of trying to determine if you should take a slow bottom turn and then pulling up underneath it or if it's going really quick just like try and give one or two pumps and sort of race through it so i think in this case it's sort of like that speed adjustment you know what do i need to do to get to that point where I can maximize my tube time. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, you are pretty deep here. I mean, you can just see that thing throwing and that looks so far in front of you. I don't know if it's the, the perspective here, but you know, yeah. as you see that thing coming, are you, <laughs> what's going on in your mind there? Well, I either know it's like the lift hits me and I hit the reef which I think is like a lot worse than trying to make it. So if I don't try and just go for it and try and make it out, like I'm going to feel terrible for myself for like not trying to make it through, you know? Yeah. So regardless at this point, I'm like, I'm in this, I got to just stick to it. And you know, the worst outcome is if I don't make it, then I hit the reef. But if I do make it, then I come out, you know, and I'm going to try my very best not to fall. Because um, this wave is, is extremely shallow, like, um, but I guess that's what produces the best hollow waves, you know? Right. But, yeah. Man, and you are so committed. I'm just realizing it looks like you're stepping on your leash right here. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Like, I cannot believe how far forward I go on my board when I'm in the barrel. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so instinctive. Like, you don't you don't think these things through, you know, I, I just like, it happens naturally. And then sometimes I'm like, Oh, did I actually do that? Like, do I do that? And yeah. So I think highlighting the fact that like, 
you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, how, what did I take away from this footage was like these small little elements like this for me, I was like, wow, that is almost a whole foot forward in front of the grip pad than what I was in my videos out of J-Bay. But in saying that this is a longer board, I think it's a 6.2 versus my board at J-Bay, I think it's around like a 5.10. So yeah, it's it's very interesting to see this angle and the sort of foot placement to position my feet. And, and you're, uh, what drove your decision to ride a, a longer board at this wave? So I think it's just the extra rail line. And because it's so powerful, like just having that bit of extra rail line can get you through these sort of turbulent sections. Like obviously now that little white water section there is going to make a chandelier. And I think just having that longer ball with the round pin just allows you to just have that hold when like a shorter board would just skip out, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's just all hold really. And it allows yep. you to sort of paddle into the wave a lot sooner. Um, yeah. Yep, makes sense. And then as we get closer to the chandelier section, I mean, I feel like 99% of people would just eject at this point. <laughs> Looking at that right there. Um, yeah. And so how did you, Ejecting. you know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I said ejecting at this point would mean that you would hit the reefs. So it's like you gotta you do gotta you gotta just go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so it looks like you're lifting the nose of your board over that chandelier. Is that how is that your kind of what you're doing from a you know, just to get over it or I'm not sure, to be dead honest. Like I think it almost seemed like I did, right? But I definitely can't remember if in the moment I was like, oh, I'm going to lift my nose over this thing. Yeah. Uh, usually when I see a chandelier section, I'm like, I just got to go through it um, and right. hope for the best. Because a lot of the time it's when those chandelier sections come, it's hard to like keep your rail line. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, I can compare it to like riding a bull. I don't know. It's just like, it's so unpredictable. And once you make it over that, you know, and then you in the clear water, then you know you're fine. As soon as you hit the clear water again, you know you're fine. But yeah, to hit that sort of white watery section and try and make it through, it's so unpredictable. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, about how you beat yourself up if you didn't go for it. You know, commitment, you know, in a barrel is just so key. I mean, I think the best barrel I ever got, I saw the section throwing in front of me and I just was like, all right, I'm just going and I lock in and, you know, I just backdoor it. And I was like, that was the best barrel I ever got, you know? Yeah. But it's so easy to be like, oh, especially if you're somebody that's getting used to surfing barrels, you know, normally you're avoiding the lip, right? And you're going away from it. But in a barrel, you're actually going towards it. You want to go through it. So that's a, a big mental yeah. shift that people have to make. For sure, for sure. I mean, like I say, it's the best feeling in the world, so why not take the risk? <laughs> Never know till you go. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All right, and then, yeah, you just get right over the section. Oh, that must have been the best feeling in the world when you got to the other side of that thing. Yeah, no, I'm stoked. Hey. Man, and we waited hours on end every day for just to like just to like have this wave work. Cause when it works, it's, it's almost like people don't come surf the side because it's quite far away from the main camps. So yeah, we would just wait there for the right tide, the right wind. And as soon as those elements aligned, it's almost like the wave just came to life. Um, yeah, man, I well, love, look, this, love this wave. Looks like you scored it. Okay. Now for a left barrel. So this wave was literally on the other side of that right-hander, which, yeah, it's so convenient. <laughs> <It's crap>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this wave, I mean, I don't know if my backhand technique is as good as my forehand, but 
I'll try to comment on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, you know, we we hadn't had many opportunities to try to get footage on my back end. So when we saw this, we were like, wow, this is so unique. You know, we haven't seen anything like it. Um, But this particular wave, it was kind of easy to, to sort of line up a barrel. It was, you know, you would just sort of take off late and just hold your rail and um, you would know which ones would like throw on the shelf because it was kind of like a slabby wave. Um, and then at the end of this wave, there's actually like a rock coral head that sticks out of the water. So you kind of want to eject as you get out of the barrel section. Otherwise you land on the rock. Um, oh man. Oh yeah, I so, think I see it. Yeah, you probably do. You probably will see it. But um, yeah, that that that's definitely a bit sketchy. But it was a, it was a really fun wave. Man, talk about commitment though. It looks like there's three sections on this wave that you make it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, geez, I was lucky, lucky to luck into this one. So technique wise, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff going on. Is there anything you'd, you'd comment there? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest takeaways that came with my backhand barrel riding was when I pulled into the barrel was never to look down, you know, the tendency I feel like when I was trying to figure out my backhand barrels was to look down and then wherever your head goes, your body goes. So as soon as I was doing that, I was kind of like drifting towards the lip. But if you kind of just keep your gaze at that point where it's like, you know, it's here at like this sort of crevice in the wave and you're looking up where your head goes, like your, your shoulders sort of like talk open. And that allowed me to sort of like funnel through the barrels without getting caught in the lip um, yeah. and sort of allowed me to like hug the face. And um, that was probably the biggest thing from a technique perspective when putting into barrels on my backhand that I learned. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're grabbing your rail, your back knee is mostly down. So you're in that pig dog position and it looks like you're dragging your hip in the wave and you, are you doing that just to manage yes. the speed? Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think dragging your obviously your left hand in this case and your hip, um, that's sort of such an advantage you have in your backhand to regulate your speed. And I think even at J-Bay too, like Goofy Footers, they, they can, my friend Stephen Sway, he's a magician um, on his backhand out of J-Bay. He drags his is like hip in the face and like is able to position himself in barrels that you just wouldn't expect to to be in there for so long you know um and yeah i think it can be an advantage for sure yeah it's so interesting you know because at a wave like pipeline for example i mean i think most people they're more comfortable surfing on their forehand so they're like, I would want to get barreled on my forehand. But, yeah. You know, people talk about how a pipeline, you know, the, the goofy footers have uh, the advantage in a way because they can just manage that speed. You can slow down on your backhand in a way that you can't slow down on your forehand. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. But the problem is most people aren't comfortable surfing on their backhand and it's scarier, you know, taking a big drop on your backhand in some ways mentally even though yeah. you know, when you drop down into that pig dog, you're kind of in a more stable position. So it's like this weird, yeah, this is weird conundrum anyway. Um, for sure, for sure. Cool. Well, <laughs> perfect wave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you just want to go right back there. Dude, I want to go there now. <laughs> yeah, the mint is just like, oh, it's my favorite place on earth besides for J-Bay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love to go back. Hey? Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're reaching, uh, we're reaching time here. I I feel like we've covered so much. Um, was there anything yeah. that you wanted to touch on or, uh, any shout outs that you wanted to give, uh, before we close? Oh, not necessarily. It was, it was great to chat to you, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And it was, uh, so cool to, to 
see your perspective on those waves um and yeah just hear more about your surfing i'd love to have you on another time at a certain point you're you're just super fun to chat with um, but thanks for joining oh thank you yeah it's been a pleasure hopefully i'll have more footage of the mint and jay bear and then we can dissect it then oh yeah i would love to do that okay <laughs> till next time Hey everyone, it's Van. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, it'll only take you literally a few seconds, and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So thanks.